a lot of times we have been taught as women that it's selfish to care for ourselves. Or if we, you know, do something to make us feel better that we're being greedy. Hey everyone, welcome to the Executive Order Podcast, a show for small business owners who want to learn how to do less to accomplish more. I'm a professional organizer based in Somerville, South Carolina, and I know there isn't a one-size-fits-all for organizing within your business. In talking with my guests and chatting about our struggles, our wins, and our lessons learned, I hope that you can learn what works best for you to create a business and a life that's just right for you. Hey everyone, so today we have on Melissa Rolfs. She is a holistic health and life coach. I'm really excited to hear about her journey into the work that she is doing and the way that she helps her clients. Hey Melissa, how's it going? Hey, good, Brittany, thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. I Would you tell me a little bit about what it is that you specifically do in the holistic and life coaching arena? Yeah, absolutely. My main focus is sugar and emotional eating. So I help women break free from sugar and stress or emotional eating so that they can be calm, confident, and in control. That's kind of my, my area of expertise because that was my story. So how long was it before you realized that one, that was your story and two, that that's the work that you wanted to do to help others? Gosh, those are really good questions. Um, I think emotional eating is really kind of complex. And to be honest with you, I didn't realize that was what I was doing until after I had gone to school to become a health coach and help other women. Um, so I don't know that I identified it until probably even just a few years ago, honestly. But I knew that I wanted to go into this work and help people because of my own story, my journey. I knew that there were so many women who were trying to lose weight and be happy and healthy and have the energy and just be the mom they wanted to be. And they tried diet after diet and nothing would work. And I knew there was something missing and it was basically the mindset and relationship with food. So I really wanted to help women heal that because that's what I had to do on my journey. So that's why I'm here. <laughs> so when you say they, I'm curious without children myself, so I don't know entirely. And I, yeah. I just, I'm wondering the specifics around the mindset of dieting and, and how one would then think that that would make them a better mom or just how is that related in, in someone's mind or could it be related? Yeah, I think a lot of times women will come to me, Brittany, and they want to have more energy and they want to feel confident and they want to feel really good about themselves and the, the way that they present themselves to the world. And so a lot of times they will connect that with their weight and that may be part of it, but usually there's something more beneath the surface. So I'm really big on getting to the why behind the why and kind of that motivating factor of, okay, let's talk about what's really going on. Mm. Cause you could, you know, reach your goal weight or fit into the jeans or whatever that is for you. But if you haven't changed your beliefs and your habits in your mindset, there's still something that needs a little bit of work probably because it's, it's more of an inside job than an outside job. That's yeah, that's, that resonates with me with the work that I do. I'm, I'm constantly talking to clients about, okay, you, you want to have an organized space, but let's like really get down to why is it disorganized? Why do you want it to feel organized? So when it comes to working with your clients, what beliefs do you most often see come up that need to be readdressed? I think a lot of women, I work mainly with moms, I work with women overall, but I think a lot of times we have been taught as women that 
it's selfish to care for ourselves. Or if we, you know, do something to make us feel better that we're being greedy, or there's just a lot of, I think, societal labels that are maybe put on us as women in regards to what we should and shouldn't do. There's a lot of judgment. Um, so I think there's just a lot of underlying beliefs and things that we've been conditioned to believe that really aren't true, but are impacting us negatively. That judgment piece is, I mean, when you said it, it's like, oh, yep. I, there's so many worlds that that happens for women, not just mothers, but just, yeah, there is so much, whether it's real or just perceived in our mind of like how we're being judged or how we could be judged. How do you help someone get past that, that worry of judgment? I think a lot of times the judgment starts within, to be honest with you, I think we start judging ourselves and then we project it onto other people. We project it onto food as being good or bad or healthy or unhealthy. And food is just food. It's not really either, or it's what we make of it. Just like our emotions, our emotions are not good or bad, right or wrong. They just are. But I think it's knowing how to handle that. Um, but I really encourage people to replace judgment with curiosity and, in, and like start asking why, or what am I looking for? Or why am I going towards the chocolate chips when I feel overwhelmed instead of figuring out why I'm overwhelmed and figuring out how to get out of that instead of just stuffing it down like I used to do. <laughs> yeah, I the sugar is such an interesting piece and I'm sure you can speak more to this. This is just like what I read on the internet and different podcasts I've listened to, but knowing that sugar and the serotonin or the dopamine and, and just all of that response, is that something that you take into consideration or help someone kind of identify why they might be pulling towards sugary treats or things like that? Absolutely. Absolutely. Because usually I teach my clients a craving is a messenger of something that needs tending to, whether it's, you know, something that maybe we feel like we are missing out on or something that we feel like we don't know how to process, but usually a craving is an indicator of something more. And so we just need to be curious and a little detective and figure out what that is. For someone, for me right now, I've, we're in the middle of January. I've been doing 90 days without alcohol and it's something that I've awesome. done just because I'm not really a sugar person, but there was, you know, I really enjoyed having my glass of wine at the end of the day. So there is sugar in that. So there is that piece, but it also, it was one part ritual. It was one part I felt relaxed, but yeah. something that I just felt like was just too prevalent in my life. And I wanted to see if I could step away from that and, and make other choices. Do you find just because there is kind of a relationship with sugar or just that habit or um, comfort even, do you find that's part of the conversation too is alcohol intake? Absolutely. Absolutely. Because I think they're, they can both be used in a certain way. Like you said, the habit, the ritual, the looking forward to something. A lot of moms that I talk to, once their kids are in bed, they're like reaching for it, whatever that is. And so it's really figuring out, okay, what, what's this about? What's going on? You know, why, why am I doing this? And then going from there. Right. And I think too, along with when you had said before that, good food versus bad food. Well, food is just food. You know, it doesn't have to be labeled one thing or the other. And I think at least again, speaking for myself, I was just worried about, um, identifying, you know, is this a good habit or a bad habit? And I was like, you know, let's just step back and not call it anything. But in doing so, 
I've seen or I've noticed more of kind of like the mommy memes of, you know, wine time and all of that sort of in just kind of that culture that's thrown at moms. And yeah, I just think like, huh, that's really interesting that we have such a culture around drinking and motherhood. Um, I don't know. I, I don't really have a question with that. I just wanted to share that, but I just think that's kind of a, a strange way that we have normalized and, and kind of paired the two things together. Absolutely. There's a Facebook page that they have great content and it's mommy loves vodka. And I had that similar thought. I'm like, why are we putting the two together? You know, like why? And it's something worth exploring for sure. I don't have an answer, but it's an interesting observation. Yeah. And, and again, without any judgment to it, just like a, huh, what, what is that about mm-hmm. that relationship and, and where did it start and why is it so prevalent and what does that mean? Um, anywho, just a total aside there. Um, so that's yeah. really exciting that you, through your own experience, were able to say, hold on, this isn't working for me. And if it's not working for me, it's probably not working for other people. And what can I do to help them? How long have you been in the coaching space? I got my certification in 2017. So going, it'll be four years, I guess. In May. <laughs> Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. You're welcome. So what do you find, is this the first business that you've owned and ran? I am like a serial entrepreneur because I think part of my story, Brittany, is I've always been, you know, a starter and a go-getter. I'm very much type A. At one point I had considered doing professional organizing because I love like things in place and in order and that's just my jam. Um, But I think once we had children, I was like, okay, I need something I can do from home. So I started in direct sales and did, you know, several different companies and then through my own journey, landed on the coaching. So yes and no. (laughs) Yeah, yes and no. So as far as like, you are the only one that works in your company, is that right? Mm Mm-hmm. It's it's a one-woman show right now. (laughs) How do you balance, just in your company alone, not even your own personal life, just how do you balance all those different hats then that you have to wear? That is a good question. I'm I have had to find the scheduling system that works for me. Um, I used to be a real big pen and paper girl, but then I discovered I wasn't taking the pen and paper when I went places. So now it's all in my phone. I've color coded, like I've, I've really had to get some systems in place that'll work for both things. Cause our kids are ages now where they've got activities and things going on. And it's not just my husband and I'm keeping track of, but also them. And then we've got pets. So heavens. <laughs> Yes, lots, lots and lots to, to keep track of, that's for sure. When you say that you use different colors, is that like per um, scheduled activity or per person? Or how do you kind of incorporate that color coding system? Scheduled activity, um, labeled like, I, I still am a big pen and paper person with like my notebook and my planning. So I'll categorize things by color. Um, just to make sure like that balance is there. I do my meal planning on pen and paper and then I'll transfer it to the, you know, electronic version, but just kind of, it helps me when I look at it at a glance to make sure that things are covered, things are balanced, that we're good to go. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm also a pen and paper person myself. I've been incorporating more digital just because it is, it's really nice that it's with you wherever you go. Like you said, if you don't have the notepad with you or, or what have you. Um, but it's, it's definitely my inclination to write something down rather than to put it in my phone still. 
Yes. And I think you remember it more when you write it down too. I've heard that your brain retains it if you actually physically write it out. Yeah, I think that's true. Is there a place in, in the work that you've done, especially having done direct sales before this? So you I'm sure had to, whether it was working with products or what have you to be organized with that inventory, are there things that you are surprised that you're still kind of using in your business right now that you learned from somewhere else? You know, it's funny because before you and I were talking, I was just thinking about my life and my organization. And um, it's really interesting. My dad died when I was two. And so shortly after my mom took me to Disney World and she said she had come out of the bathroom, she had taken a shower and I had lined up all of her beauty products in order of height, like starting from smallest to tallest. And she was like, I always knew you were kind of organized then. So I think I've just always had this like brain that just kind of organizes things. Like I look at the big picture and I just kind of plug things in and like even the way that I organize my closet, like I just kind of think it's my DNA or who I am, or maybe it was a coping mechanism, but I feel like I just kind of the way I roll. (laughs) Probably a combo of all of that. You know, there's definitely Mm -hmm. a little bit of the coping that the anxiety and then having things in order that can kind of make you feel better. Um, but yeah, that's, like that's cool. Uh huh. Oh yeah. Yeah. I, I don't mind that. I, I like that feeling. <laughs> that's interesting. That, Especially with kids. <laughs> well, right. I mean, when there is so many factors and so many moving pieces, whether it's a family, a household or a business or both and just keeping it together somehow, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, there needs to be a little bit of glue dabbed in between those things to make sure that the whole system is moving as, as carefully and flawlessly as possible. Right. (laughs) But I love that, that your mom has this memory of you being so young and doing it. That's not always the case. Sometimes people are like, yeah, as a kid, I was a little bit more messy, but as I got older, I had this experience or that experience and I figured it out. And now I'm very orderly, but it's not always that kids are like, you know, very orderly and linear like that. So it's kind of funny. Well, our son is very much that way. I have to tell you, he's more like me than my husband, but he very much like his room, like I'm kind of like, okay, maybe, maybe, I don't know. (laughs) It's in your genes. There you go. Or bad genes to have. (laughs) Right, right. (laughs) So what is your favorite thing about working with women in the way that you do? Is there, beyond just like their transformation, I'm sure that that's such a a benefit and a joy for you, but what is it about specifically what you do, holding their hand and, and working with them through their issues that you really enjoy and lights you up? I love it when they have a breakthrough, because I think a lot of times we get so caught up, Brittany, in autopilot and life, and we just don't even really stop and think. But when we can have someone walk with us and really ask us questions, and we can have our own breakthroughs instead of someone telling us what to do or how to do it or whatever, like for them to have the breakthrough on their own, and I get to witness that, that's so cool. Like it just lights me up. My client had one this week, and I was like, yes, that's so awesome. <laughs> I've, there's so much like cheerleading involved in it, right? It's like, you want to support them. You want to encourage them, but you can't do the work for them. It's something that they have to come to on their own. So to see them reach that, it's like, oh yeah. And to hear them say it in their own words, I think is really powerful too. Yeah. 
So you had said before about your schedule. Is there anything specific around the way that you do times or the way that you plan out your week or your month or your year that makes it easier to for you to accomplish everything that you want to accomplish? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I, I'm a very sequential person, so I don't do great like thinking too far ahead. It kind of overwhelms me. So I do better if I can start off looking at the whole month and then breaking the month down by week so that I know who needs to be where, what we're having for dinner and just kind of planning it that way. So I have like a whiteboard with the week on the calendar in our kitchen that just helps me kind of keep that big vision of, okay, who needs to be where this week and what's going on? And then I'll put like to do's on the side for what's coming down the pike. But I learned early on in our marriage that I was over committing myself. And part of that was because I wasn't looking at the whole schedule. I was just looking at the day and trying to cram everything in. So I've learned some things along the way. <laughs> That's a huge one. I mean, it takes people a long time typically to find that they're over committing because it, it might not seem like it. And last year sure was a year to figure that one out, uh, whether it was having a lot more time or just having different choices to make about what you were going to do with your time and realizing where you really wanted to be using that time. So that's great that you were able to kind of come to that conclusion and the fact that you look at it just on the month and then break it out. You've mentioned your meal planning a few times. Can you tell us a little bit about how you go about that? Yeah. So what I do is I do it for the week. Before we had kids, I did it for a month. Um, but I do it for the week. And again, it's just looking at the schedule and saying who needs to be where, um, my daughter does horseback riding lessons and that's, you know, one-on-one -on -one at a barn. So she's done that the whole time. It's been a real gift. Um, but knowing that she has that on Monday nights, we have to work kind of backwards with our meals and say, okay, if she's going to get back at this time, we need to eat at this time, which means I either to make something in the crock pot, cause I don't want to be cooking like right after I bring everybody home from school. So just kind of figuring out the activities and then working backwards from there. Um, but what I'll do is I will look at the whole week, plan everything out, and then I'll make my grocery list. And then I'll go online and order, and then we'll pick up on the weekend and have everything we need for the week. And it works pretty well. I was doing online pickup before COVID was even a thing. So that's kind of, you know, just my MO. <laughs> I was talking last night with a client about online ordering and I haven't switched to online grocery shopping. Grocery shopping is kind of my, my happy place. It's like my like Zen. I, I just like wandering yeah. up and down the aisle. So I'm a total weirdo, but yeah. ordering ahead at target and not yeah. getting like sucked into the, the aisles and picking up things that I don't need. That has been a saver and just driving up and getting it or pet smart or whatever. Love that. That might be the greatest thing for me to have come out of this last year is just like the prevalence of delivery and just that easy pick up and go. Yes. Stay on budget, stay on track. <laughs> it really helps with focus. Yes. Yeah. I, and it, we, for the listeners, obviously you can't see Melissa, but she just said this great, like as if there was blinders on, which is so exactly what <laughs> I need sometimes is just, yep, put the blinders on and just get what was on the list and don't add anything else extra on there. Um, I like the idea that you start with the activity, which, you know, it's the things that you already know are planned in the week and then to work backwards from that rather than being surprised or, you know, kind of having to, to readjust on the fly because, oh, wait a second, I forgot that we had this or that or we were traveling to this place. So we wouldn't be able to do this idea. Um, was that just 
like natural for you? I know you had said that when you and your husband had first gotten married that you were doing the whole month long. Was that natural when you had kids to just do it that way or did you have to learn the hard way? I think I had to learn the hard way because here I would have this meal plan that I had to like cook for 45 minutes. And when you don't get home until seven o'clock, who wants to cook for 45 minutes? I mean, no thanks. So I think it was learning through that, but then also realizing, hey, if I plan ahead and I can look at the calendar in the morning, know what we're having, I can get the meat out to thaw. And then it's not five o'clock and we're like, oh, what are we going to have for dinner? (laughs) How does meal planning help you with what you eat and, and, you know, your, your healthy lifestyle. It saves the stress of, oh my goodness, it's five 30. I don't know what we're having for dinner. Let's do takeout. Let's do pizza. Like it just alleviates that because we already know what we're having. We have it on the plan and that's what we're doing. <laughs> yeah, I, I definitely, I don't always do my meal planning, but man, do I feel good just, just, in a, in an accomplishment sense, as well as like, oh, I know that I'm eating and doing the right things for myself. How much of the work that you do with your clients? Um, I know you've said, uh, mindset and belief changing, but are there kind of habits like that that you're working with them to, to get to? Absolutely. Um, especially, you know, depending on the season of life that they're in and kind of what they have going on, if they need help with that, we absolutely add it in and kind of come up with some quick and easy things they can do. I've got lots of guides. Um, so I'm always sending them like, okay, I think, you know, this might be helpful to integrate into your action step this week as well. That's cool. So is, I should have asked this at the beginning, are you working one-on-one with your clients or is it a group process? What does it look like to be a client of Melissa Rolfs? I have both and. I have groups and one-on-one. Okay. <laughs> so pick your, pick your passion. <laughs> There you go. So in the group setting, how is there like a certain number of weeks in the program or how does that look? Yeah, I have a two week um, breaking free from sugar. It's really a two week to kind of help women become aware of when they're reaching for the sugar, um, giving them simple swaps. I don't believe in um, deprivation. Cause then I think we go to the other side. So if we can just provide some simple swaps and you can still enjoy that healthified version of your favorite dessert. Um, but that really, that process just kind of builds the awareness and gives some simple tips. And then from there, they can go into my longer 10 week program, finding freedom if they desire. So. Oh, cool. And is the 10 week program, is that the one-on-one or is that still a group setting? That's still a group. And then I do, um, for my one-on-one private clients, it's a 12-week program called Finding Freedom as well. So, yeah. Awesome. Where can people find you and find out more information about your programs? Yeah, my website is www.free2thecoaching.com. So freetobecoaching.com. And can I ask where did the name come from? Yes, of course. I feel like when I figured all of this out, Brittany, I found so much freedom. I found freedom from anxiety, freedom from stress, freedom from exhaustion, fatigue, low self-worth. Like there, I could list out probably 50 or 60 things that I found freedom from. And so I just really want other women to have that freedom and free to be who they're made to be and show up in the world authentically. Because I think a lot of women aren't doing that and it makes me sad. Yeah, I agree. Um, and just to round it out, at the beginning, we had talked about feeling like a 
bad mom not being able to stick to a diet or make these changes or have enough energy from your own perspective, if you don't mind sharing, what are ways that you feel like you are able to show up and in the life of your children and, and be the mom that you want to be given this work that you've done on yourself? I think a few things come up. I think the first one is I'm not exhausted. I'm not in fetal position on the couch when my husband comes home anymore. Um, Cause I definitely was by the end of the day, I was so run down and exhausted. I was like, Nope, here's I'm done punched out. <laughs> so I'm definitely not that mom anymore. Um, I'm also not as angry. I used to be really angry and kind of explosive. Um, that's definitely gone. And I think I'm just more confident in who I am. I don't second guess myself. I don't have foggy brain. Um, I'm just more clear, I think, in every area of my life and really just able to pour into the kit to my kids and my family the way that I want to, you know? Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's amazing. Thank you so much for being so candid and sharing about your personal experience and your struggles and how you've gotten to where you are. And thank you for sharing everything that you have about where and how you, you coach women so that they can also have the successes that you've enjoyed. Well, it's my pleasure. Thank you. I just want women to have hope and know that anything is possible because I really didn't think it was. If you look at where I came from and where my mindset was, I wouldn't think that any of this was possible and it absolutely is. So there's always hope. Well, now that you say that, what do you mean like your mindset and where you came <laughs> from? Where was the, like how far down the road did you get? Oh girl, I was really far gone. I mean, I grew up like my, my mom is amazing. Um, and I think part of her coping mechanism of dealing with my dad's death was, was going to the Oreos. So that was modeled for me. And so at an eight year old age, I'm hiding sugar in my room and eating to suppress those feelings. So I think just being able to articulate my feelings now and be confident in my voice is really, really kind of powerful. So yeah, I think I went from kind of the victim mindset to, I can do this. I can do this. <laughs> and I can help other women too. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's definitely a, a journey. And for it to have been something that's been present in your life for so long, and it's been a coping mechanism for you for so long and to see it modeled. Yeah, that's definitely a, a huge, um, a huge journey. And, and again, thank you for sharing that and, and talking about your experience and being so candid about it. Of course, I'm pretty much an open book. So ask anything. <laughs> See, you hear that, guys? You, you get coached by Melissa and she'll tell you anything. She's, she got you back. Well, seriously, thank Absolutely. you so, so much for chatting with us today. It was my pleasure to get to know you and for you to be a little bit better. And I look forward to seeing everything that you do and the work that you do and continue to help the women that you love to serve. Thank you. Thank you so much. It was awesome to be on and connect with you and keep showing up as yourself, girl, because the world definitely needs what you have to offer. So thank you for shining your light. Thank you. Thanks for joining us today on the Executive Order Podcast. If you're enjoying the show, don't forget to subscribe so you never miss an episode. And if you're really enjoying the show, leave me a review. If you want to connect with the podcast on Instagram or Twitter, you can find it at Executive Order Podcast. And if you want more information, 
Or to connect with me about organizing, you can find me at zeniaorganizers.com. All links in the show notes. Can't wait to chat with you in the next episode.